The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP, and as always, make sure to download the SGPN app. It is your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. It is a very sad day here at the SGP and Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am your host, Rod Gomez. He is Justin Mark, and for the last week of the regular season and the last week for 2022, we will be discussing the United States Football League in terms of fantasy football. Uh, hopefully you guys won a championship out there. I did not. Uh, and I'll tell you my woes after the, after we get going <laughs> with the show. But, uh, Justin, this is sad, man. We're, we're talking fantasy football, USFL style for the last week. I know it's, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, you were a little more familiar with the spring leagues than I was. I kind of jumped in and dove in head first to this USFL and, everything with it including fantasy football and it has been a lot of fun so it is definitely sad to see it end i am very see to me like i said and 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 i've said this so many times on so many different shows that i can't even keep track but when you talk about the the quality of football that you get in the spring is it the nfl no will it ever be the nfl probably not but for what you get while you get to watch football after february I'll take it, you know, and and if we would have been able to give the AAF a little more time, if we would have been able to give the the second coming of the XFL and now the third coming of the XFL a, a little more time, you're going to watch the quality grow. And over the last 10 weeks, Justin, that is exactly what we saw. We saw the level of play come from spring training, you know, spring camps, which is essentially what the first two weeks of the season were, to mid-season form where now we're at in 10 weeks into it now heading into the playoffs heading into the postseason this is what i expected to see by the end of this and that's good games tight games and and just entertaining football through and through yeah and that level of play definitely ramped up as the season went on and so it just makes you excited for what is to come from the usfl because now most of that um, initial starting phases and all that, of course, there are going to be new people on the teams that need to get accustomed to everything. But you've got most of the, the, the first jitters out of the way. And so I only expect it to continue to keep getting better and to continue to um, be a competitive league. I'm not sure what – I'm never sure, to be honest with you. It puzzles me year after year after year how these naysayers can continue to just say, oh, this is garbage football, blah, 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 and and then try to compare it to leagues like the CFL or the NFL or you know any number – or even the indoor league for that matter. These leagues have been around – for a long time, you know, and maybe not as long in the indoor football league's case, but these leagues are established. Their players know, and and some of them have been with the same team for a couple of seasons, or at least within the system for a couple of seasons, and you're trying to compare it to that level of football right out of the jump. 
And and then the same goes for ratings too. You know, they always say, "Oh well, uh, this did not stack up very well against Major League Soccer or whatever." And it's like, look, this is the first season of this league. You cannot really compare it to even Major League Soccer, for that matter, who is not necessarily the biggest ratings getter in the world, but by the same token, has a fan base already. USFL is trying to grow that fan base. And if you're even mentioning them in the same conversation with a few hundred thousand viewers already, how can you not consider that a win? And, and why, how could you use that to down this league? Yeah, I agree. There were a lot of naysayers and, and people that just automatically said that it was going to fail too. And like you and I both know after talking with these guys, these players, like how could you ever want it to fail? Like you're so excited for them because they're so excited to be playing football again. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good football. I, I was very optimistic just because of an excitement level I had for it. Um, and to be a part of it as far as the podcasts and the article content and all that. But there was never a moment where I wasn't like entertained. Yeah, sure. There were some stinker games. I understand that. But in the, you know, if you want to compare it to the NFL, which is the biggest football platform, there are stinker games that you watch and you're just like, I don't know why I watch this. So, you know, you're going to have that no matter what, but every game I watched, I was entertained. There was a, a good hit. There was a good catch. There was a good play. I mean, just everything you would want out of football was there. And that's it. It was football. And, and, like you had said before, getting involved with it right from the draft. You know, we got to talk. We got to talk to players during the draft about their initial reactions about being part of this league. And you're right; it's just hard not to not to root for these guys. But I mean, the USFL doesn't need us to to defend them. Uh, they they're doing very well on their own. We are in for a season two, uh, but we're in for the postseason first. And and Justin, you get to be out there, don't you? I am. Yeah, this weekend I will be in Canton watching the two playoff games, so I'm very excited for that. So jealous, man. That's going to be a blast. Uh, well, you know, I'll be thinking of you when I'm in Southern California and soaking up the the amazing uh, California sun, which is going to be beating down on us. <laughs> there you go. Um, I will be rooting for my stars to beat your generals. Sorry. <laughs> well, then let's get right to last week as we normally do, because it was the stars and the generals who squared off in a what they were calling eight quarters of football because they're going to be meeting again this week in the playoffs. And this game, I don't know what we were, you know, I, I think what we talked about earlier, what we were expecting was just to see uh, less of Case Cookus. And, and more of um, his backup, but we didn't see any of his backup. In fact, we saw all of Case Cookus in this game, uh, taking hits and everything again, but uh, the Generals came up winners 26-23 to 23 in a very close contest, which, again, we knew was going to be close from the get-go, these two teams. Uh, obviously, the Generals on a gigantic winning streak, and the Stars really holding their own over the last few weeks uh, coming into this game, but it was the Generals coming away with the win, 26-23, Case Cookus, again, wire-to-wire, wire, 19 of 33, 244, two touchdowns, one interception. He continues to be Case Cookus. I mean, this was all season long after he took over for Brian Scott. So, uh, I mean, you know, he's been fun to watch, and he continues to be. Yeah, he's definitely a great example of somebody that when they their first game, you could tell he was a little rocky, still kind of getting rid of the rust and everything. And then he just started lightening up and started performing very well. So he was definitely fun to kind of watch his in-game growth week over week. Yeah. And somebody said it in the broadcast and, and I, I 
went back and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know what? They're absolutely right. But Case Cook has continued to take those hits, continued to just be punished and pummeled, and yet he would still get up and he would smile. <laughs> I mean, even when the camera was right there in his face and he wanted to punch him in, in, the, in the camera <laughs> lens, he was still smiling while he did it. Number one hater of the cameras is Case Cookus. <laughs> uh, be it drone or otherwise, Case Cookus is not a fan of the cameras. Uh, especially even on the sidelines, too. He's like, man, these guys are always right up in my face. How, how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> I think that's something that these guys are going to have to get used to because now, I, and maybe even in the NFL, too, um, because I have a feeling that this may kind of make its way into the, the NFL. The CFL already did it where they would have the sideline cameras getting kind of close to them. But um, if you notice, too, I'm not sure which game it was or even if it was this week, but uh, one of the kickers kind of got in the the camera guys, um, just got on him a little bit for being right in his way as he kicked the ball. Yeah, they're definitely um, a little invasive with the space around them. Um, and so that's probably a learning process too. You know, I th I'm sure they'll get some feedback from the players of like, hey, I know you guys want to do this. It's It does provide great TV. I mean, the camera angles you get are awesome. But you need to back away a little bit during this or during that. You know, I, th I think they'll probably will get some feedback. There'll be a little bit of adjustments, but um, I, I loved how they did the different camera angles. The, the drones, you know, the buzzing you get used to it. It was a little annoying at first, but some of the, the footage they get from that was amazing. I have a feeling that once the crowds start to get in there, the, you won't hear the buzzing very much because that's a lot of why True. you heard the buzzing because there was nothing going on outside of that. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right, Matt Colburn helped out his running back. 10 carries, 39 yards, and a touchdown. 3.9 yards per carry, but the Stars still not really running the ball all that much. Um because they've got a good passing game. Uh, and then Cookus carried four for 33. Darnell Holland got in the game. He only carried the ball three times for 12 yards. But, yeah, I mean, I hope your fantasy championship uh, hopes weren't resting on Matt Colburn's shoulders. Yeah, that touchdown saved him a little bit, but not the uh, output that we have seen. Um, but then again, you know, here's a guy, week 10, they already know they're going to the playoffs, and he has the bulk of the carries, even though he's running back one. They they did not rest people as much as we thought they might have. No, and that's, the, yeah, because you would have figured Darnell Holland would have got in, but that's all right. I mean, Matt Colburn, 13.2 fantasy points on the day. So, again, something uh, not gigantic for what it was worth, but uh, pretty pretty decent double-digit fantasy point day. Uh, somebody that had a big fantasy uh, day for you if you had him in your championship roster was Bug Howard. Stop me if you heard that one before. Five catches, 101 <laughs> yards. Uh, no touchdowns today, but uh, a good 100-yard game for Bug Howard who bounced back after a couple of rough weeks. Yeah, we've talked about how him and Cookus just, they haven't quite gotten on the same page. And then they did this last week. I'm hoping that carries over to the playoffs. Um, if you have listened to the show, you know that I am definitely a big fan of Bug Howard. Um, so it was great to see him have a 100-yard day there. Yep, and they're on the same book now at this point, so uh, maybe that'll carry on through the through the playoffs. Maurice Alexander, four catches, 57 yards. Jordan Sewell, five catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Rowland finding the end zone uh, to bookend this one. Uh, he got two catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown as well. So, I mean, the receiving game, still kind of crazy. Uh, a lot of yards and a lot of receptions to go around, but it still felt like it was kind of spaced out. Yep, agreed. So, uh, for the generals, 
two-quarterback system in full effect again, which we thought we would see more of again as, as they head into the, the playoffs to try to get DeAndre Johnson right. And uh, he only threw the ball eight times for, uh, I mean, sorry, completed the ball eight times on 10 attempts for 112 yards. Luis Perez, <laughs> once again, is Luis Perez. But boy, I, I picked the right week to stop hating Luis Perez. 14 of 18, only four incompletions. He had almost as many incompletions as he had touchdown passes. 138 yards, but three touchdown passes for Luis Perez, who, dare I say, has proven me wrong and is a decent enough starting quarterback for the my generals. Yeah, I mean, he's been looking good these past couple of weeks. Not often, though, do you only throw for 138 yards and throw three touchdowns. Short fields are everything. But really, the the whole thing for, for Luis Perez is he just looks comfortable. And the, the few weeks that he didn't look comfortable, you could tell at, that's when he was making the mistakes. That's when he was causing fumbles and the interceptions and not necessarily completing passes. So I, I just think whatever the generals are doing right now is working because both of these guys are in stride and, and have really led this team to where they are now. And... I don't, obviously, I, I don't think it's going to slow down. It's going to stay that way through the entire playoffs, however far they make it in. But we'll, we'll, I'm curious to see if this is something they can carry forward next year and if these two quarterbacks will be around for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, you, mean, you would hope because it did work out well. Um, not for fantasy football people, of course, because it's just hard to, to figure out which one is going to have the good week. But, um, I mean, for both of these guys to find success and be a, a duo start thing like that, it's, it's pretty cool for them. Speaking of duo starts, this is the running back room that has two of the more powerful running backs in the league. And this week, it was Terry Williams' week. 11 carries, 114 yards, and a touchdown. 10 yards a carry. I'm telling you right now, as much as Darius Victor got the headlines, who himself had seven carries for 34 yards, uh, DeAndre Johnson, four carries, 33 yards. But as much as Darius Victor got the headlines early in the season, I just, I loved watching Terry Williams run all year long. Even if it was a five-yard run, he always made it look electric. And we'll talk more about him later. But yeah, it, you, you talk about frustrating backfields. This is one of them too, with Williams and Victor sort of emerging week after week. And you never knew. Uh, they call it fantasy whack-a-mole. You never knew who, which one it was going to be each week. Yeah, and it seemed like most weeks you were okay starting both. Now, obviously, they kind of ran over each other as far as maximizing production, but a lot of times Williams getting those yards and Victor getting the touchdown. So, um, yeah, a little frustrating if you're hoping for the, the RB1 numbers, but it seems like every week you could count on both of them to put up around RB2 numbers. Yeah, and again, Victor, uh, good in his own right, and and probably somebody that's going to get a look uh, in an NFL camp at some point. But you know, for now, obviously, if you had him in your fantasy championship lineup, you probably wish you would have gotten a little more out of him. But uh, hopefully, you still won in spite of that. Somebody who could have gotten you that win if the defense of the Houston Gamblers would not have opened up a can of whoop-ass all over the place. It was Alonzo Moore, seven catches, 84 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Finally, Alonzo Moore has himself a ridiculous day. I was pretty happy about that. Love me some Alonzo Moore, right, Justin? Absolutely. Very impressive day for him, and it's just one of those things you hope carries over to next year. Um, hopefully, he finds himself back in the USFL and is able to more consistently put up games like this. I hope so because I do like him. Like I said, I, I, I like I've liked him since the beginning of the season, and 
you know, always have and always will. Darius Shepard, six catches, 79 yards. Cavante Turpin, a relatively quiet day for Cavante, five of 60 or five for 68. Um, not a not a super Cavante Turpin like day. In fact, he didn't even get any carries. Uh, but you know, everybody's keyed up on keyed in on Cavante Turpin now. So he's going to have to do something to step himself up if he wants to get uh, more production going forward into the playoffs. Agreed. Still an electric player, but yeah, I think he's getting a lot more attention now, and that's kind of opening up things for guys like Moore and Shepard. So um, if he wants to put up those big numbers in the playoffs, he's definitely going to have to uh, become even more elusive, which I don't know if he can be because he is so elusive. Can't keep dominating a league when everybody's been studying exactly how you do it for the last 10 weeks. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see next week if he can continue to uh, to, to be and to get better really and and beat the tape so <clears throat> speaking of beating tape look i'm here to finally say that we can put an end to the tampa bay bandit season and i can finally put an end to talking about jordan tamu for a little bit longer uh and and you know again i'm not one to sit here and down people uh because of their personalities or whatever but the the play on the field and the way that this team just kind of fell apart all season long just that's it i mean we're done now uh birmingham finally finishing out the season with a win nine and one on the year 21 to 18 over the tampa bay bandits we talked about tom who's 17 of 33 justin still only 51 percent uh completion percentage 225 yards he did get two touchdowns but he also threw uh the jordan tom special interception uh i mean can i can i just stop breaking down jordan tomu at this point yeah, I mean, you know, and and like you said, we're not trying to put Tomo down. He he is a good quarterback. He's a decent quarterback. But when you factor in all the hype he got leading up to the season after he was drafted and all the hype he continued to get throughout the season, you know, everywhere you turned, it was that Jordan Tomo is the best quarterback in this league. The numbers just don't show that. Yeah, the yards are there. Well, when you're playing from behind, you're going to get a lot of yards. Um, but just the inconsistency, the poor um, completion percentage, the interceptions, which happened almost every game. I think he threw one almost every single game. You know, if you're going to be the best, you have to be a, a better field general than that for your team. Especially when you're like the only quarterback that's been trotted out for a while. Other than this week, Brady White came in through four for seven for 25 yards. Not again, not a glowing day in the quarterback room for it. But here's where, again, I, I will harp on this as well. Jordan Tamu leading the team in rushing. Four carries, 22 yards. Right behind him, B.J. Emmons, three carries, 21 yards. Minter came in for two carries for 17 yards. Jawan Washington, six carries, 12 yards. You cannot get things done <laughs> without a rushing game. No, and, and you know, those weeks that Tamu had like 80-some yards, that's fine when he leads the team there because he broke a big one. But when you lead the team in rushing as the quarterback with 22 yards, something is not working well, something's not working right. And that's something that um, Tampa Bay's they got to fix next year. You have to have a running game. Yep, back to the drawing board for sure uh, for Haley and crew because that's just not a, it's not a good look. It's really not... Uh, Derek Dillon, four catches, 91 yards and a touch or 94 yards rather and a touchdown. Cheyenne O'Grady. We, we loved him in week one, thought he was going to be the second coming of, uh, Bug Howard. Uh, unfortunately he just kind of fell by the wayside, still had four catches, 39 yards in this one. 
but yeah, I mean, talk about a fantasy disappointment, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was somebody that, you know, maybe after week one, you even traded for because you thought, wow, look how good he is going to dominate this league. And after a couple of weeks, it just fell off. Then he got injured and it just couldn't put um, back to back games together. No. And again, that just is all that falls on on Tamu's inability to sort of find a way to get his receivers the ball uh, when they needed it. Really, he could get it to them, but not not when the team needed it. Uh, Hassis Dubois, name we had never said before on this show, came in, caught four catches for 36 yards. Daquan Hampton, three catches, 26 yards. Vince Papali, two catches for 25. Um, Davis got one for 23. Washington got one for four. Emmons got one for three. A lot of completions, 21 of them, but not really much in the yardage. Yeah, and Rashard Davis had a big game last week. We thought this is finally the Rashard Davis we've been waiting for, and he shrinked back to, I guess, the Rashard Davis he is. Um, unfortunately, like he couldn't put together big number games, and we kind of thought he was going to. We thought he was going to be the wide receiver one of this team going into the season and just never got it going. Um, and part of that's on him. Part of that's on the quarterback. Well, so speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Jamar, Jamar Smith got a little rest uh, yesterday or last week. Threw three passes, uh, threw eight passes, completed three of them for 72 yards. But then it was Alex Magoo's show who uh, came in, completed 14 of 25 for 183 yards, a touchdown, an interception. But uh, I think if, if we were playing Daily Fantasy, my money would be back on Jamar Smith next week in the championships. Yeah, I agree. It was nice to see Magoo get in there, especially after he had been injured. Then he came in, got injured again at one point um, earlier this year. So nice to see him come in and have some success. But I agree. I think this is Jamar's team. It is indeed. Something we haven't seen really do as much as he did when he first burst on the scene was Bo Scarborough. Nine carries, 38 yards, only, well, I say only, but (laughs) 4.2 yards of carry is not bad. But I don't think they really had to run the ball as much as they needed to uh, against short field, too, for that matter. Uh, and C.J. Marable, eight carries, 47 yards. He got the touchdown, which probably should have been Bo's touchdown, but whatever. We we digress. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uh, – it speaks highly of somebody when you look at nine carries, 38 yards, a 4.2 average, and you go, man, he kind of had a bad day, didn't he? <laughs> I know. Well, it's not a Bo Scarborough-type day, and I'm sure he'll tell you the same. He'll be like, man, I, I could have had a couple more big ones and, and probably should have. Um, but Alex Magoo, 11 carries, 30 yards – and a touchdown. They, he pulled it down quite a bit, actually, in that game. Yeah, that's something that when he has gotten gameplay, and even sometimes they've brought him in to do a design quarterback run, so that's something he kind of excels at. He's pretty good at that. Obviously, the average isn't great there, but um, if you're escaping pressure and even getting a, some yards, that's good for your team. One thing they got to teach these USFL quarterbacks is slide. Slide with your feet. I, no I've doubt. seen way too many dive into a pile head first. I'm like... not sure you want to keep doing that with your uh career on the line so i don't know we'll see tony brooks james got one carry but he busted out a 13 yarder with it uh somebody again we we kind of were a little high on in the beginning of the year thinking that maybe him and marable would uh would trade some some carries and tony brooks james just kind of got uh shuffled to the wayside once bro scarborough came in 
Yeah, I mean, a, a really good player out of Oregon. Um, but like you said, once Scarborough came in, it was the Scarborough show. And uh, C.J. Marable was kind of his backup. And they kind of just went with those two. And Brooks James fell off the map. Yeah, pretty sad, too, because Brooks James, decent enough player. Maybe he'll land uh, on a team that needs a running back next year. Or maybe they'll expand. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, on the receiving end of it, Sage Surratt, three catches, 60 yards. Adrian Hardy, three catches, 46 yards. Marable got involved in the uh, passing game. He got four catches for 39 yards. Our boy Peyton Ramsey made another <laughs> highlight real play. It would have been a bigger play, too, I think, if it, uh, if he would have been able to, to break it. But one catch, 32 yards. How about Peyton Ramsey? Yeah, I mean, every time he gets the ball, it's just exciting to see because, you know, we talk about how infectious his excitement and attitude is so you just love to see him do well and what's crazy is like i said it would have been a bigger there would have been a bigger play that he dropped unfortunately and you'd rarely see that out of peyton uh, a drop like that but yeah he would have had a gigantic play uh had it not been for that drop so oh well we're good uh williams three for 30 osiris mitchell one catch for 20 victor bolden jr man just another guy that if you had him on your fantasy championship roster, just really let you down. One catch, 18 yards. Bo Scarborough got a catch for 10 yards. Yeah, and another example of the Stallions, you know, spreading the ball around. Um, they did a really good job of that, and it, it's going to continue with a good run game and spreading the ball around like that. It's going to continue to make them hard to stop. Yeah, this is going to be a very difficult team to, to try to... Uh, well, I mean, I have a feeling that it's going to come down to New Jersey and to uh, Birmingham at the end. I think this is I know Philadelphia and uh, Birmingham. Oh, I'm sorry. I mispronounced <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, if, if it were still Brian Scott at the helm, I, I might be a little more uh, conflicted. But now that, you know, it really is just – and this these are the teams that I thought we pretty much said were going to come down to, right? It was New Jersey and Philadelphia at the end of it. Um, yep. And here we are. So – uh, all right, so let's move on to Michigan, who just ah, look. We're done with the Maulers. I'm. I, I have a feeling that if <laughs> there was any team that could go away, it would be the Maulers, and and just for good reason. Let's relocate them somewhere else, rename them, rebrand them, do something. Michigan thirty three, Pittsburgh twenty one. Michigan gets our second win of the season. Jeff Fisher gets to go to wherever he's going camping as a happy man uh, because he at least walks out with a win. Um, but, yeah, this is uh, – man, these two teams all season long just struggled with themselves, and this week it was just Pittsburgh really struggling with themselves more than Michigan at the end of it. Paxton Lynch, the quarterback from the start to the finish, 30 uh, pass attempts, 22 completions, 275 Three touchdowns and an interception. Paxton Lynch looked good. Yeah, definitely looked like somebody who could lead this team next year. Um, it, it's kind of interesting to see what will happen because before this game, the uh, during the week, they said that the winner will get not only the first draft pick, um, but the first in, pick in every round. So we'll see how Jeff Fisher messes that up since his last first draft pick didn't turn out so well in Shea Patterson. It's isn't it weird though? Because you figure the team with the worst record is going to get the first pick, but they gave it to the winner of this game, which was different. But okay, I'll take it. And you're right, Jeff Fisher gets another first round, another first overall pick, 
Uh, maybe he'll trade that one away too as Shea Patterson lined up on the other side of, of the ball in another game that we're going to talk about later. Uh, but yeah, Paxton Lynch, if, if he can come back and play for the Panthers next season, uh, I have a feeling they'll be in a good spot. He's not a bad quarterback again. And, I, and I'm more than willing to say he's better than Jordan Ta'amu at this point. So, you know, I'd be more comfortable taking him in a draft uh, next season versus Jordan Ta'amu for sure. Yeah, I think um, even just at a leadership standpoint, he seems to have a better grasp on that. Well, I mean, he was an uh, uh, NFL pick as well, so that kind of sure. says something. Yeah, he didn't necessarily make it with the Broncos, but the fact that he was picked and the fact that he was taken and, and played – that, you know, that says a lot more to me anyways. Uh, Stevie Scott, 10 carries, 44 yards. Lynch carried eight times for 19 yards. Reggie Corbin, 10 carries, five yards. <laughs> wow. Yeah, rough day for Corbin, for sure. Yeah, this rushing game, 74 total yards on the ground between Torrey and, and even uh, Joe Walker got into the mix with a carry for three yards. But yeah, this was not a... Not a fantastic rushing performance from a team that wanted to be known as a rushing team. Yeah, not at all. Um, and again, like we said, that's something that they're going to have to fix. They did have some some really good uh, run games from Corbin earlier in the year, but after he got injured, they just haven't been able to find anybody that can carry the ball as well, I guess. I feel like we say that every week with Michigan, though. <laughs> True. Like, yeah, this running game just wasn't good, and they, they want to be known as a running team, so... Well, I mean, we won't have to say that again for the next few months, and we'll see how they improve upon this situation. And maybe it gets better when they actually are playing in Michigan in front of home fans. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that could they can't hurt, right? Nah, it really couldn't actually at this point. <laughs> Ishmael Hyman continues to be the man in the receiving game for the Panthers. Six catches, 71 yards, uh, and a touchdown. Seven targets who led pretty much uh, him and Lance Lenore. He kind of took over the torch. For Lance Lenore, uh, who actually had five catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown in this game. C.V. Scott, three catches, 66 yards. Joe Walker, one for 34. Uh, Marcus Baugh getting in the end zone, catching three passes for 25 yards. Um, O'Malley getting a catch. Petway getting one catch. That's a little sad on two targets. But, yeah, I mean, I guess this receiving game is exactly where we thought it would be toward the end of the season, right? Yeah, and I mean, good for Hyman. I think he put together some really good game tape towards the last couple of weeks here. So um, nice to see him to continue to carry that over week to week. He was one of those guys that we talked about at the beginning of the show as, as far as having exciting plays put together and, you know, having exciting things happen on the field with this guy and, and watching him, you know, spit out a, a wisdom tooth last week only to, to kind of stick in the game and, and still come out strong this week too. Right? I mean, oh, wait, that was a Maulers. That was a Maulers player. That wasn't him. Yeah, I think that was Henny. That was Henny. Sorry. Henny, Hyman. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Two H's. Uh, but anyway, so let's move over to that side of the ball. Why don't we? As Vad Lee and Roland Rivers continue the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Kirby Wilson, I hate you get in the game mentality. Uh, Vad Lee, 12 of 22, 157 yards. Two touchdowns and interception. Roland Rivers, 11 of 14, 123 yards and a touchdown. This is a two-quarterback system, but not necessarily one that you want to emulate. Yeah, not at all. Um, and they, I think Kirby Wilson, I think we agree he'll be gone next year. So um, hopefully the next person can provide some more guidance and coach, coaching to both of these guys because both had flashes where they looked decent. 
It, I wonder sometimes, though, because I hear that the announcers are always talking about how great he is and how wonderful of a coach he is, and and then they show him on the on the sideline, and all he's doing is belittling every player that's out there. You know, I I don't I don't like I said before, I don't really react to that very well. That's not my motivation. Is you telling me that I need to be an adult or that I need to you know grow up or that I need to play the game or you know or just catch it. That's how I was doing things. You just catch it. Well, sure, coach. I'll just catch it. How about, you know, the quarterback throw it to me a little better or whatever? Yeah, I need to catch it. But there's a lot of factors that go into that. So, yeah. I don't like know. any receivers out there going, oh, am I supposed to catch this? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's another podcast for another day. Uh, <laughs> we got to see James Gilbert step in, carry the ball 11 times for 26 yards in this running game that featured, you know, Madre London back in the day. Garrett Groshek didn't even get any ca- any carries in this game. Uh, but Madre got four for 18. Vad Lee pulled it down three times for 19 yards. Rivers, two for 18. Like, this is a far cry from that rushing game that was ta- uh, touted early in the season from these Panthers or these uh, Maulers. Yeah, it's a, that's been one of the most disappointing things all year for me is seeing Kirby Wilson's run game fail over and over. You're a running back coach. Yep. If there's one position that should be highlighted in a offense that the head coach is a running back coach, it should be the running game, and it was not at all. So, yeah, I mean, look, if you had any of these guys, especially if you had Madre London on your team in your fantasy championships, I am sorry. <laughs> there is nothing you could do with his, what, five-point, or not even five-point performance, 1.8 point for performance because he didn't even get any catches. Huh, frustrating. Uh, somebody who did get catches and by the bunches, Delvin Hardaway finally had a good game. Nine targets, six catches, a hundred yards, no touchdowns, but a good, good way to end the season for Hardaway. Yeah, for sure. He's somebody that has a lot of athletic talent, so it's nice to see him end on a high note at least. Yeah, I, I had higher hopes for him, but unfortunately he just got caught up in a Kirby Wilson offense and maybe if he was, you know, with Philadelphia or with New Jersey, he would have had a better shot to Show, show, uh, to showcase his talents, but yeah, unfortunately, he was where he was. Jalen McCleskey had another good game. Four catches, 67 yards. Isaiah Henney, uh, minus a wisdom tooth, three catches, 38 yards, but two touchdowns on the day. So, Henney, man, finding the end zone and really just another one of those players like Hyman that makes you say, hey, this has been a, a good week to watch football. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's another guy like Hyman that beginning of the year didn't see anything from him and then he really wrapped it up with some nice games so hopefully that's something he can hang his hat on or his helmet on and um continue forward into the next year with yeah i you know i'm okay with watching him play in this league for a while and becoming a star uh matt seibert also getting three catches 19 yards and into the end zone that's confirming that the tight end is the most frustrating position in all of fantasy sports up to and including the usfl no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, Bailey Gaither, though, two catches, 13 yards, really just sort of fell off of the the wagon there for the Maulers at the end of the season. Uh, I'm just curious and really wanting to see what next season brings as far as who's going to be around, who's on what team by the end of it all, because you know a lot of these players just feel like they're, they're much better players than their team allowed them to be. Yeah, agreed. It was disappointing to see Gaither fall off as much as he did because he was somebody who you could consistently count on fantasy-wise, 
each week. And then um, just some point towards the second half of the season, he just disappeared. Yeah. And again, it was because there's just no consistency at quarterback there and he just could not really make anything stick. So, all right. Speaking of uh, the first overall pick in the USFL draft, we talked about it a little bit just before uh, when we were talking about the Panthers and their first overall pick. Shay Patterson making the start for the, well, actually he didn't make the start, but he definitely came in and played a large part in the New Orleans Breakers game as they actually lost heading into the postseason with a loss against the Houston Gamblers. This is the one upset that I did call. Um, and, and I, you know, don't usually tout a lot of my, my good calls cause I make way more bad calls than good half the time. But uh, yeah, this is the one that I saw coming because again, I, I had a figgy, I had a feeling they were going to rest Sloter only because the guy's been hurt for most of the season. If you're going to go in the postseason, you want your quarterback to have a, at least a week of rest. And if you have guys behind him that can do it, go ahead and do it. And where we talked about New Jersey, not necessarily having a backup quarterback to both, uh, Deandre Johnson and, and Luis Perez. And then, you know, you, you, Talk about Birmingham. Yeah, they brought in Magoo to, to spell Smith for a little bit, so that was good. But here was New Orleans with an opportunity to rest Sloter. They did. Uh, they brought in Smith at first, who completed five of eight, threw two interceptions, and they were like, bring in the righty. Uh, bring in Shea Patterson. And so they did. Nine of 15 for only 36 yards. <laughs> Justin, both quarterbacks, 64 yards of, of, uh, of total completions. This is going to make talking about the wide receivers very quick. <laughs> we're done. I mean, we're almost done anyways. The the <laughs> Breakers lose 3 to 20 or 20 to 3 rather. Uh and they only scored a field goal in this game. So yeah, I mean, you want to talk about fantasy production. Let's talk about Jordan Ellis, 10 carries, 32 yards. Uh Anthony Jones, 8 carries, 25 yards. Smith pulled it down 3 times for 12 yards. Patterson pulled it down 4 times for 5 yards and then uh looked like Johnny Dixon got a carry in there for negative 2 yards on the Jet sweep. So uh, 72 yards of total rushing offense. Justin, still not going to get it done. And it, kind of a disappointing way. I know you're resting your quarterback, but disappointing way to go into the postseason with such little offensive production. They're going to have to mentally shake that off because you know the Stallions are going to give them all they can handle. And Sloter will be a better, obviously, option leading the, the league in yardage and leading the team as one of the better quarterbacks. And obviously, he's going to make your offense a little bit better. So maybe maybe the fact that you rested Sloter gave him an extra day to kind of get that groin back in, in place wherever it is out, you know, and, and, and having an opportunity. Because you're right, they're going to be playing the Stallions, and the Stallions are not going to let up on him. And it's just, this rushing game has not been the best for New Orleans, you know, Ellis has, has had a lot of these days, 10 carries of 32 yards. Uh, Jones came in for a couple of good days, but has fallen off over the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, they're going to have to step it up. In fact, Jones was the leading receiver. Three catches, 16 yards. 16 yards, Justin, was the most out of any pass catcher in this game for New Orleans. Yeah, it's very disappointing for sure. Like I said, they're going to have to kind of mentally wipe this. I wouldn't even look at the game tape. I would just move forward and get ready for the Stallions. Yep. Delvin Gray, three catches, 14 yards. Johnny Dixon, three catches, 13 yards. Ellis, two for nine. Adams, one for eight. Sal Canella, a whopping two catches for four yards. Just not nothing to write home about. Literally uh, just a bad day overall. But uh, we turn over to the Gamblers who... 
That DST, kids. They say defense wins championships. And ladies and gentlemen, defense wins championships. Do you know how I know? Because I was playing against those Houston Gamblers uh, defensive squad in the championships. And guess what cost me that championship? Them. Well, okay, that and a couple of players not putting up any points whatsoever for me. But uh, by and large, it was that defense who, who scored just a gigantic... They put up double-digit fantasy points in a week where most defenses did not. And, yeah, I mean, it was tough. They put up 31 points, to be exact, uh, in the fantasy championship. So, yeah, if you had them rolling in there, congratulations on your championship. Yeah, and if you look at the stats here, no offensive touchdowns, only 100 yards passing. It, It was all about that defense. All about that defense, all about that special teams. You you read off the stat line for them. Two interceptions, only three points against. Four sacks, two touchdowns, one block punt, or field goal in this case. But yeah, uh, it's just a uh, <laughs> that's a stat line that you want out of your defense every week, and it gets you 31 points. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so uh, hats off go to the DST. Uh, again, like I said, it just they win championships, and they, and they brought one home for our man Cody Zeeb. Who uh, uh, now I got to hear about it tomorrow when we do our NASCAR podcast? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. He uh, he likes to celebrate. He's a good guy, and um, he had a really good season all year in our listener league. There, he did very well, um, and did good in DFS in our DFS competitions we had with each other too. So, hats off to him. He'll tell you that it's all about this show. He listened to the show. And it, yes. and it shows, too. Look, I'll read off his, his championship roster. He had Houston. Uh, he had Jamar, which would have been a good play had Jamar stayed in. Uh, he had Darius Victor. He had Matt Colburn. He had Derek Dillon, who had that huge day we talked about. He had Adrian Hardy, Hardy Sal Canella, Isaiah Zuber, and Nick Vogel. That was his championship roster. So, um, you know, I rode Cavante Turpin, Alonzo Moore. Cameron Scarlett got nothing going for me. Stevie Scott barely did. DeAndre Johnson would have been okay had he stayed in longer, I thought. New Jersey DST on any other given day would have been great, but uh, not not this time. So, yeah, Uh, rough go. So let's talk about the gamblers real quick. Not much to talk about. Kenji uh, Kenji Bahar, 14 to 22, 100 yards. Not much going there. Uh, LeMay was their leading rusher, actually, 14 for 70, 14 carries for 70 yards. Uh, which was surprising, yeah? Yeah, Benny LeMay hasn't been on the roster for, I think, more than two or three weeks. Um, but after Mark Thompson came back from injury, he was struggling. When he was out, Dave Wawaley wasn't getting the job done. So um, nice to see LeMay have some success for them. Whaley carried the ball five times, seven yards. Thompson got one carry for three yards. Yeah, just a, a huge fall from grace, which goes to show you that sometimes – you know, you can you can start out the year like gangbusters and an injury just derails you one, and then the league catches up with you two. Yeah, for sure. LeMay, the leading receiver in this game as well. Three catches, 26 yards. Tio Redding, three catches, 25 yards. Anthony Ratliff-Williams, two catches, 19 yards. Tyler Palka, two catches, 18 yards. Uh, their tight end, Allen, two catches, 17 yards. Uh, and then the two biggest names on the roster going into this was Isaiah Zuber, one catch, negative two yards, and then JoJo Ward, one catch, negative two yards. Wow. 
Yeah, um, I think the only thing we can say to take away from that is Jojo Ward is still fast, and there's no such thing as a slow Jojo. <laughs> no such thing as a slow Jojo, but he can't really show it with three targets and one catch. It's just uh, it's just a rough go. And Bihar did have trouble all game long kind of getting, getting comfortable and throwing the ball. He didn't need to do it much, though, obviously, because, again, uh, short fields and defensive points. It's just when you have that behind you, uh, it, it's easy to do. So, yeah, Houston pulling the upset. And and really, it wasn't even an issue all game long. Yeah, for sure. New Orleans coming out flat. And to be honest with you, have a lot of work to do if they hope to knock off these Stallions in the playoffs, which it's a tall task for anybody at this point. No doubt. Yeah, um, I, I think they're really going to struggle. Maybe they'll come out and surprise, but I agree with you. I think for sure the Stallions will be in that championship game. And they'll likely be taking on my New Jersey Generals because that's just the way life goes. Uh, all right, Justin, it was a great 2022 season of uh, uh, <laughs> fantasy football. I mean, it was fan. It was great football, anyways. But it was great fantasy football, and we got some players that we enjoyed watching and enjoyed having on our rosters and we're gonna just kind of wrap up the 2022 fantasy season by talking about a few of those after we come back from the break but first let's talk about win bet make sure to get down on wins bet $50 to win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets you want the ultimate fantasy football experience? Well, bet $500 or more on sports or casino before July 31st of this year, and you can get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club. This includes a two-night stay at Wynn Resort for you and your entire league. If you want to keep entering, hammer that, because multiple entries are allowed. So much to choose from. All you got to do, download the WinBet app now or visit winnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to chain terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let's move on to Sleeper. It's the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. I know you already have a few fantasy leagues on there. I use it for mine. Justin uses it for his. Most of the SGPN has at least 200 leagues uh, per person on that platform and it's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry and now you can make money on sleeper too by playing the new over under game it is super simple first in any sport choose two or more players that you like pick the over and the under for example number of points in basketball hits in baseball then you could choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest if you pick correctly you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in you want to know why I'm so excited about the over-under game on Sleeper? It's because it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest so we can all play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together, so stop right now, whatever you're doing. Download the Sleeper app to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone. Join our listener group by joining it on sleeper.com slash SGP. Sleeper is going to automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join our squad, get the 100% deposit bonus match, and get it at sleeper.com slash SGP on your mobile phone. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. I love coffee. Love, 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 love coffee. Drink it every morning. That is why I am so insanely hyper every time I hit this microphone. 
Without it, I probably would fall asleep. <laughs> Justin would have to pick me up. Trade Coffee helps me stay that way because not only does it give me fresh and uh, delicious coffee, it connects me with the run that's right for me. It is telling me that I have a specific coffee and it's giving it to me because experts taste this coffee. The Trade Coffee team taste tests thousands of coffee to make sure that I get the right one. Over 450 kinds are live and ready to ship today. Obviously, there's no one perfect coffee out there, but there is a perfect coffee for you, perfect coffee for me, and Trade's human-powered algorithm is going to find it. If you don't like it on the first time that you try it, which is highly unlikely, but it happens. Trade has a first match guarantee. They're so confident that they're going to match you the right time, the first time, that if they don't, they're going to take your feedback and an actual coffee expert, a live human being, is going to work with you to send you a brand, a brand new bag for free. Make sure you get down on this offer. They're offering a new subscriber offer. You get a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash SGP. It's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash SGP and let trade find you a coffee you are going to love. That is drinktrade.com slash SGP for 30% off. Do you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well be giving away your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That is why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting one 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communication, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It is literally that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on your speed. So your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. So whether I'm at home or in public, I literally don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish, super easy to use. All you got to do, tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know that it's on. So stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, everything you buy. Take back your privacy today with a brand rated 4.6 out of five on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP. Use the promotional code SGP. Claim your 70% off savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Well, like we said before the break, it was a fantastic season of fantasy football fun. And look, anytime you get to continue playing fantasy football well into July... Then, or even June for that matter. July is CFL, and that's another podcast for another time as well. Uh, but yeah, anytime you get a chance to play well into June, Justin, I, I think that's a, a happy time. 100% agree. Fan, no, let's see, no fantasy football is bad fantasy football. Let's put it that way. That's right. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite players uh, that we had fun watching, cheering for, and and having on our fantasy rosters here uh, over the course of the last season. And I, I, I'm if you're a listener of this show and you are right now, uh, it's it's not hard to load up what Justin's number one player is going to be. So Justin, go ahead and hit us with who your favorite player was this season. Yep, it was Bug Howard. I didn't get to draft him because everybody sniped him in front of me, but. Um, he was just fun to watch. I was excited when he was coming into the league, um, uh, when he got drafted, he's a guy that, yeah. And I just 
I broke out my Madden, Madden 2019, which I have not played for a long time, and I always put him on my roster because he's always a free agent. That's kind of how why I became such a fan of his. Um, but anyways, tied for seventh in receiving yards, tied for second in touchdowns, and, and we talked about how after Brian Scott got injured, he kind of had an adjustment with Case Cookus. He did not have as many good games. So to still finish that that well um, kind of really speaks to his talent and his athletic ability. I mean, we said it many times, he's a wide receiver playing tight end. And he looked every bit of it too. And, and I wonder, because we've seen, like, here's the thing. So with Bug Howard, we saw him in, in the other leagues that were out there as well. Um, you know, we saw him in the AAF is where we saw him. And, and he was just as good in the AAF but he didn't get a whole lot of opportunities, right? I mean, it's just uh, uh, the tight ends in that league. But he, when he when he had the opportunities, he shined. And so for Bug Howard, you just look at he had 65 fantasy points over the course of the season, right? I mean, doesn't sound like a lot, but in a 10-week season, that's an average of 6.5 points, which for a tight end, that's that's perfect. That's what you want is, is a guy that can at least give you 6 points or so over the course of the season and and for the stars he was a weapon and a lethal weapon early on in the year and to cool off a little bit was okay but yeah to come on and, and finish off relatively strong I, I loved bug howard i loved watching him and i wonder i wonder if he's going to be a spring league staple or if he's going to get a look somewhere up north or even in nfl camps you know i was talking to somebody about if I want people to or players to jump to the NFL from this league. And I have two opinions on it. I want it to be able to sustain itself. Of course, I want the league to be able to sustain and guys to want to come back to the USFL. I think that provides the best product. But if a couple of these guys do jump to the NFL, I think it's going to get more eyes on the USFL. It's going to be more people watching, looking in. And even as far as, I mean, if you think about Debbie, something that you've talked about, your, your Debbie guys are going to start looking at this and saying, which of these guys are going to jump that I can perhaps put on my team and stash away for when they do jump. So while I don't want it to be a complete springboard league, I think initially some moving to the NFL will put more focus on the USFL, more fans eyes on it. And I suppose it can't be helped because this uh, spring leagues have always sort of been approached with this, just like you said, Debbie, the developmental mindset of we want to make it to the highest level of the NFL, which is all well and good, but there's not a lot of spots in the NFL that are up for grabs, you know, and, and to be mm -hmm. honest with you, that's where if you want to be a practice roster player, that's, that's fine, but wouldn't you rather play live reps against actual you know, other competitors in a league where you know you're going to get paid. I mean, yeah, I know practice roster pay is probably better than what they're paying, but, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know the logistics of it being somebody who just talks about it and, and gets paid to talk about it, but I, I have a feeling that at some point this league will be able to make it to where these players want to make it, like I said, and I've always said, as a destination league rather than just a transitional league. Well, I think most of them, the, the competitor in them, you would rather be the star of a, a smaller league than a nobody in a big league. And I think a lot of them have that competitive, that, um, competitive nature. Well, I think all of them have that competitive yeah, nature. You true. see it on a weekly <laughs> basis, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's just the, the camera when they're – and they get more – to me, 
they get more face time. They get more actual recognition in this league, in the USFL, than they would in the NFL, most of them. You know, because a lot of these guys wouldn't become superstars in that league. Uh, some, some could, and that's fine. But by and large, a lot of these guys would probably just be bit players, you know? For sure. If I'm the Steelers, though, I'm looking at Bug Howard because him and Mitch Trubisky had a great college career. So I think that's something that, I, you know, I wanted my Bears to look at Bug Howard because I think it help, would help Mitch Trubisky. <coughs> Trubisky. <laughs> Steelers, let's go. Uh, all right. Late comer into the, into the league, but somebody that... Why do I keep pushing the wrong buttons? That one is the button. Uh, <laughs> late comer into the league, but somebody that took the league by storm when he did is your next player that you enjoyed cheering for and, and having on your fantasy roster. Yeah, Bo Scarborough, you know, as soon as he got picked up by the Stallions, I, I said it on the show. I said, you guys need to look at this guy. Um, I did for both of my fantasy football teams. I immediately uh, put a waiver in for him. He finished 10th in the league in rushing. And you think, well, 10th, that's not good. There's only eight teams. Well, he didn't join the Stallions until week five, where he only had seven carries. And week six is when he fully took over. And he didn't really do much this past week either. We saw he didn't have a lot of yards. So to finish 10th in the league out of just week six, seven, eight, and nine, pretty impressive. Four weeks of football, and you can finish 10th in rushing yards. And that's just, he came in. He, I don't think he had much worse than a four. Um, yard average per carry, and, and that's just what you get from Scarborough. That's what he did in college. That's what he did when he was in the NFL, and that's what he's continuing to do. You know, and and when you look at what the Stallions were doing anyways, because Jamar was, especially the first couple of weeks of the of the season, right? Jamar was the guy that could run. Jamar was the guy that could pass. And then all of a sudden, you know, with Marable being there, it was great. But Bo Scarborough just basically was the guy that they said, okay, look, here is, we're going to give you the ball. And you're going to carry the ball, right? And, and this is no, we'll have Jamar do it when he needs to do it. We'll have him pull it down. But uh, Bo Scarborough came in to be the running back. And so that's exactly what he did those first couple of weeks. But we talked about it a little bit earlier. When teams get film on you, it's a little hard to pull your same tricks once they, they get, it's easy to take them by surprise and to run on them once or twice. But to continue to do it, you need to adapt as well. Oh, for sure. So, uh, but this is a guy, I don't know, Justin, what do you think? You think he's going to get looks up there? I mean, I think he should because he's a, a bruising running back. Um, but I, I also, I kind of like seeing him in a league like this. I think he fits this format and, and everything that they do very well. Yeah. Again, I, I have a feeling that this is one of those, cause for me, this, this USFL, again, it's not going to be NFL light. I don't think it's going to be a different brand of, of football, much like the Canadian Football League football is a different brand of football. It's just going to be something that's 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 not what you're used to. And it's going to take players that are not your traditional players. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the Not the stereotypical guys that go out there and line up uh, and in the 11-on-11 game out there in, in the NFL. It's just going to take a different brand. And, and I think Bo Scarborough, you're right, is that different brand. And maybe, maybe after another full season of uh, or off season or, or conditioning, he's going to come back and, and be that bruiser in the league that he was when he first joined. Yeah, and I think um, if he's able to play all ten games, like if he comes back next year to the USFL, plays all ten games, um, I, it, there's no way he doesn't lead the league in rushing. Right? I mean, it, it's him or Darius Victor, in my opinion. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, and I think Darius Victor, if he doesn't get a look up uh, in any other league, is going to be a star in the USFL for a good long time to come. Uh, all right, let's move on to your next set of players. Uh, we'll, we'll call it the position of quarterback in Philadelphia. Yeah, so I, I couldn't not mention Brian Scott because we're both big fans of him. But, um, you know, he got hurt in week three. He still finished tied for eighth in the league in passing touchdowns out of eight teams, which to me is just incredibly impressive and speaks to his talent. To, to finish eighth, tied for eighth in passing touchdowns when you only played two and a half weeks of football just shows how much of a higher level he was playing from everybody else that's been playing. Um, and then Cookus came in and, you know, at first it was like, oh man, I'm so disappointed because I really did want to see Brian Scott, but Cookus made it fun. He turned around and he did very well, um, finished fourth in the league in passing, um, in passing yards or yeah, passing yards, fourth, second for passing touchdowns. He did a good job. Um, and it, I think that, I think the system is built well for quarterbacks, right? I think Andrus has built a good system, but I also think that both of these guys are very talented quarterbacks. And they are. I mean, the, just the numbers bear it out. And and to be honest with you, obviously, you know my love for Brian Scott. It, it's been well documented time and time again. <laughs> but I, I just, I know that he is that transcendent kind of player. And I just, and unfortunately, it's it's probably not going to present itself in the National Football League. I And I think he may even agree at this point, but I would much rather just watch him play. You know what I'm saying? Like I, if it's, if it's on Sunday, then I'd love to watch that too. You know, I, I want him. There's probably four or five quarterbacks that I can think of right off the top of my head that Brian Scott would be a better fit for, uh, in, in the current system. So for me, it's like, I would rather see him play on Sunday, but if he, if he doesn't, for whatever reason, I just want to see him play out a season. You know, I, I know that he is that kind of a player, just like you had said it to open it up. The numbers don't lie, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. He was he was on another level the the whole beginning of the season until he got hurt, and he would have made a very strong case to be the MVP. I think had he been able to uh, stick it out and 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 he hadn't gotten hurt early on. But you're right about Cookus too, and we said it before. He just he he always did everything with a smile on his face. Like to me, he looked like the kind of guy that I want to cheer for because he just looked like he was having fun. He he I knew the pressure. He felt the pressure, obviously didn't win every game that he was in, but, you know, he was having fun, and that's what you want out of guys in these leagues. Oh, for sure. I mean, if it looks like they're having a good time, you as the the viewer or the watcher, you have a better time. You know, you, you, you kind of, it's contagious. When they smile, you kind of smile. You're like, oh, that was fun. And the type of access, what we talked about too, that, we, that you get with this league, and, and just to see these guys on the sideline and and you know chopping it up stuff you don't necessarily get to see all the time in the nfl yeah it just it makes it a more enjoyable experience just from a standpoint of of i know case cook is is enjoying his time with the usfl and and maybe he comes back next year and there's a lot there's there's some teams out there that could use a case cook as a quarterback if, if brian scott continues to stay with philadelphia because i don't see him being a backup next season no, I agree with that. And it's interesting, you know, most of these rosters, these rosters are smaller. So when a person got injured and was going to be out long-term, they got cut. Brian Scott never got cut. He was kept on that inactive report. Um, and I think that's just a testament that the stars have plans for him. 
Well, Bart Andrus, for sure. I mean, this is that part of that spring league connection that he has with Brian Scott. I don't think he wants to let him go, and he knows. He knows that he's got a good quarterback there, and he can't let him out into the open because somebody's going to snatch him up next season and use him against him. So, uh, sure. All right, we talked about folks getting looks. If Cavante Turpin does not get a look, then there's a camp out there that's just completely missing out, to be honest with you, because Cavante Turpin... He's not the stereotypical receiver size-wise or weight-wise or the measurables are not there for Cavante Turpin. But what you see on the field is 1,000% effort. You see a ton of talent, and you see a guy that almost put up 100 total fantasy points on the season. So definitely averaging just close to just shy of, of double-digit fantasy points week in and week out. Finished out the season... Just beyond strong. 10 points in week 7, 20 points in week 8, 11 points in week 9, uh, turning it around again with another, well, not huge performance in week 10, but we, we had talked about why uh, earlier in the show. So, yeah, Cavante Turpin to me, I you know, Justin, I, if you go back and, and you listen, I had said something about him uh, going into the season. I, I watched him with the fan-controlled football league, and he just looked electric in that league, and that was a half a field, basically, uh, that he was playing on, and and the, the amount of plays that he was able to make, the separation he was able to get, even on a 25-yard sort of throw, it turned my head, and it turned a lot of heads in the USFL. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't remember if it was our pre-draft show or when we were just highlighting people, but um, I, I, I mentioned, you know, out of TCU, he kind of got a, a bad rap because he had some off-field issue things, and this was a guy that was supposed to be big in the NFL. So to see him get another opportunity like this, I was excited for it, and he made the most of it. He did a great job making the most of it. Um, he was the person I heard the the announcers say the most, like, oh, this guy should be in the NFL, you know, um, because they, they brought that up a lot when they were announcing about guys jumping to the NFL, and Cavante Turpin was the one that they mostly talked about. Um, and yeah, you know, he is smaller, but Tyree kills 5'10", Cavante Turpin's 5'9", so not that much difference, and Hill doesn't seem to have a problem finding success, so definitely somebody who, I think no matter where he plays, he's an elite player. He's got the speed, the elusiveness, and just the football knowledge. I doubt we'll see him in this league next season. And, and you know, again, that's just not necessarily a testament to the quality of the USFL, but, I mean, it really is just sort of producing these type of players. Like, this is okay. I, I'm okay, like I said, with losing one or two players a year to, to the NFL and watching them blow up and be good over there. But I just, like I said, don't want them to, to want to do that every single time because you want players to stick around. But Cavante Turpin's probably not going to stick around. In fact, he's going to get somewhere with a, an NFL camp and, and get another look um, because you're right he did he just he showed week in and week out that he's got what it takes to play at a very high level and but that's the thing about this league like this is year one okay year two I want to see more of this because I want players like Cavante Turpin to continue to up the ante and to, to up the competitive nature of this league so that it becomes a league where it can stand on its own. Can you imagine Cavante Turpin in the CFL when the receiver can run at the line of scrimmage? Like, imagine being a defensive back trying to keep up with him when he's already got a full steam of speed. Like, that would be insane to me. Well, the fan-controlled football league had that too. They had the waggle right, sort of yep. thing. So, yeah, he was hitting the, the line of scrimmage at full speed in there too, which is why I was telling you about the separation that he could get in a in a twenty-five yard span. It was it's amazing to me. So, yeah, Cavante Turpin definitely somebody I. 
really enjoyed watching for sure. Uh, somebody else I enjoyed watching a lot. And look, like we said, Victor got the headlines, right? Darius Victor got all of the, the headlines. But Trey Williams quietly had himself a very nice year. Uh, 69 overall fantasy points on the year behind uh, Darius Victor in that backfield. Didn't necessarily get all of the, the love, but when he came in, he looked explosive. He was one of the better running backs in the entire league. Uh, in fact, he had the second most rushing yards in the entire league. He was second in the league behind Jordan Ellis with 579. Two yards, Justin, above Darius Victor, who had 577. Obviously, Victor got in the end zone more. Uh, Williams only got in twice. Victor got in nine times. But you look at the carries, right? Victor got 127. Williams got 118. It was pretty an even split. Uh, Trey Williams averaging 11.8 yards per attempt. How? Or I mean, so, yeah, per 11 yards uh, attempts per game, rather. I'm sorry, 11 attempts per game. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry. Wouldn't that be great if he averaged 11 yards <laughs> per attempt? No, it was 4.9. Darius Victor, 4.5. So, you know, like I said, I know Darius Victor was getting all the love in there, but I, I love Trey Williams. I love Trey Williams again because of the connection that I had with him in the spring league and watching him kind of uh, uh, grow up through the system, obviously in um, the AAF as well. So a lot of, lot of love for Trey Williams, and it, it kind of gave me uh, the warm and fuzzies to have him on my team and to watch him succeed this season. Yeah, and 4.9 yards per attempt. Well, it's not 11 yards per attempt. It's still a very good average. <laughs> uh, math is tough. Yeah, 4.9 <laughs> yards is definitely good. I, I, I really did enjoy Trey Williams. And for what it is, Trey Williams is that type of running back that I think we're going to see uh, going forward. I, I have a feeling that he's going to be back in the USFL. Um, and it's because running back is a tough position to crack in the NFL. There's a lot of good running backs out there and the, the position charts are, are deep. So, and just, I mean, the same can be said for receivers. So obviously a guy like Cavante Turpin is going to have a, a, not an easy road to get back in the NFL, but I think he, he kind of separated himself from the pack enough to get more looks than Trey Williams did. But not to say again, that Trey Williams wasn't good. He just had Darius Victor there to kind of overshadow him. And if one of the guys in that backfield is going to get a look, it's probably going to be Darius Victor. Um, but I still think Trey Williams deserves to be back in New Jersey next season, back running the ball for them, and and really have an opportunity to shine in this league for a while. Oh, I think they can really continue to build on the success that they're having already if they can get both of them back, um, because that's a backfield that you can continue to count on. If one guy's having an off day, you rely on the other, or if one does get hurt, you know they're they're both very good running backs, and they can both hold their own. They had the three amigos. Then it got down to the the two was it Trey and Trey and Darius, and then they were adding in Jamar in there. I mean, not Jamar, but uh, uh, DeAndre Johnson in there. Yeah. And then yeah, I don't know. That was just a weird a weird situation for them. But now it's down to just Trey and and uh, Darius. And yeah, again, like you said, I think with that two headed monster going forward next season, that that's a lot to to contend with. And if they can continue to keep their two quarterback system going, uh, you know, who knows how long that'll last. And I'm wondering. If, if maybe next season we start to see bigger numbers out of quarterbacks, because we talked about it a lot over the course of the season that a lot of these guys never really had even a 200-yard game to their credit most times. And really, it was only Tamu, uh, Cookus, and, and uh, Scott when he was in, and, and Sloter that had those. Clayton Thorson every once in a while, but, I mean, they weren't that many, it seemed like. 
No, not at all. The quarterback numbers were limited. Um, and so I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see if that kind of that trend kind of starts to go the other way and they do get more involved as far as more passing, more big plays, things like that, um, and just bigger numbers. Give them a longer camp. I, I feel like that's something that uh, next season, cause it, you know, they were rushing it out this season. They wanted to make sure they got out the, the product. Sure. So they were just sort of saying, let's go because we want to make sure we get this product out. Uh, and now next season, they'll be fighting with the XFL as well. So, you know, who knows how that's going to end up. Um, we'll see how those camps go. <sighs> you know, and it's funny because I said that there's, there is some, some delusion of the uh, of the waters, at the the more and more we get down into this, so I, I'm just curious to see what this does to the to the USFL, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of those conversations coming up as as we get closer to both of the seasons starting. But yeah, this will be interesting for sure. All right, the last player on my list is Lance Lenore. Loved having him, loved watching him. Uh, he played in all ten games, uh, had 88 targets. Caught 52 of them for 484 yards, which is good for the second most yardage in the in the league as far as receiving. He only got in the end zone twice, which is weird because it seems like he should have been in more. Uh, but Lance Lenore really did well for you in the fantasy stretch. 64 total points. Uh, week 7, he had 9. Week 8, he had 14. Uh, week 9, he had uh, 11. Again, kind of went out with a whimper, but that was just the way of the world for the Panthers in the last game that really didn't mean a whole lot. But uh, Lance Lenore kind of found his success despite having quarterback controversy up and down, uh, whether it was Love, whether it was Patterson at first, whether whoever it was, Lance Lenore was that target for Michigan. And, you know, this is a guy that will probably be back, I think, in the USFL next season. Um, and unfortunately, last week, he couldn't necessarily find the success that he had had over the course of the season. But you know, I, I feel like better days are ahead for Lance Lenore. Another guy that's available in 2019 Madden, if you guys want to play and pick him up. Um, yeah, when you look at the fact that, of course, Michigan was not an offensive juggernaut by any means, and the quarterback play was so inconsistent, yet they have a receiver who was able to finish second in the league in receiving yards. I think that speaks a lot to uh, his athletic ability and just his talent on the field. Um, he was always able to get open. He was always able to be a reliable guy for his quarterback. And and they they relied on him often. They threw it his way a lot. And it didn't always translate to catches. And I think a lot of that was more on the quarterback's ball placement rather than Lance Lenore himself. But um, he's a guy that no matter who was throwing the ball, they trusted him. And I think that, you know, that really speaks to his talent and his character. Um, he was a guy that the quarterbacks liked. 88 targets over the season. That was the most of any wide receiver in the entire league. The next highest total was Victor Bolden Jr. at 79. Underneath that was Johnny Dixon with 70. Uh, Sal Canella on that list, believe it or not, 61 targets. He was fourth on the list in targets. So the Breakers really love them, some Sal Canella. And who wouldn't? I love Sal Canella too. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you too, Lance Lenore, number seven was just always, always there. Like it was always just like you had said, sort of an outlet for his quarterback. He always knew where to be. Uh, he was a quarterback at one point, right? Which is why I think they, they said that he, or, or something like that. I, I know one of the receivers was a quarterback. And to be honest with you, I can't remember exactly if it was Lance Lenore or not. But um, yeah, I mean, again, he still was able to find 
a soft spot in the field. He was able to get open at least to 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 be targeted. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, you're right. He only caught 59% of his his total targets. But you know, look, his yards, his yak. 190 yards after the catch, which is not bad at all. Kevontae Turpin, though, 316 yards after the catch. So you want to talk about getting away from from his defenders. That was it. But, yeah, I mean, Lance Lenore, again, another good story coming out of this, another good fantasy story coming out of the USFL in, in what was a great season. It was a very good season. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, you saw a lot of talent on the field, uh, and some of these guys – you know, if you think about like a guy like Peyton Ramsey, the NFL isn't sending scouts to Dusky College. So it's great to see them get the opportunity to do what they love. Sad to put a bow on it, but we are going to put a bow on it now uh, until next season. And when the USFL opens up again and opens up camp. And then, I don't know, Justin, then we have XFL too. So we're going to be busy with the spring football when it comes back around again. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that as well. Absolutely. There's all the FLs, the XFL, the USFL, CFL. I'm here for all of them. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. More football? Yes, please. Uh, all right, <laughs> Justin, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for the season. Of course, the NFL continues on strong, so we're still cranking out shows in the offseason as we near your drafts, Scott Fishbowl drafts happening next month. Woohoo! I cannot nice. wait. I am signed up for a live draft in San Francisco. We'll see how that goes. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. But, yeah, so NFL continues. Justin, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Yeah, find me on Twitter, jmarkfootball, tweeting out some fun CFL and NFL stuff there. And then uh, follow me on SGP or find me on SGPN's website and app. That's right. He's got all the stuff coming out for you. Lots of NFL content cranking up as we, like I said, get closer to your drafts. Follow me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. Follow the SGPN Fantasy World at SGPN Fantasy on Twitter. And of course, subscribe to this on the SGPN app or wherever else you get your fantasy football podcasts. Until Thursday, I will talk to you then again. Uh, you should hear from Terrell and Scott tomorrow. But Huh. Bye, USFL. It was fun. <laughs> we'll see you again soon. And as always, let it ride. <laughs>